You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 416, the turbulent lives of theatre ushers, our infamous annual football predictions and the death of the guitar. That's all coming up after PM Dawn and Set Adrift on Memory Bliss.
One of my favourite singles by one of my favourite bands of all time. Absolute kings of the creative use of sampling. Uh, Number three in the UK, number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in the late summer of 1991. PM Dawn and Set Adrift on Memory Bliss. Mm, Nice, I like that a lot. Welcome to the Parish Council podcast. It's episode 416. I'm Terence Stackham and back after a short break in the wild hinterlands of Suffolk. It's Juliet Harris. Uh, yeah, we just about managed to find a phone signal, mostly in supermarket car parks. But anyway, uh, yes, we're back, 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 as smash hits would have it. So uh, hello, everybody. Thank, thanks for waiting for me in my absence. Now, George, last Saturday, I had a, a, mm. a very lovely evening at the splendid Holland Park in West London. Oh, yes. As part oh, of their... Yeah, you're very fancy. Oh, I, yes, I, I only mix with the best. Um, mm. It was part of their summer season of opera. And everything was gorgeous, the setting, the production, the magnificent performances. One aspect that has stayed with me um, was the way that all the front of the house team, programme sellers, uh, Mm. bar staff and the ushers, got the tone just right. Helpful, cheerful, but letting you get get on with enjoying the evening without any fuss. It was all very relaxed. But this ideal is in contrast with what's happening just well, two or three miles away, really, in this, in central London, in the West End, where theatres have partnered um, with a security company to enable ushers in the West End theatres to wear body cameras as a, a measure to try and stop increasing levels of aggression towards theatre staff. Now, Jules, should anyone think this is an over-the-top reaction, you've been researching some examples of audience behaviour reported in the newspaper for theatre lovers, The Stage. Yes, the the starry stage. I always like reading The Stage. <laughs> I, I keep hoping there's going to be that dream job as one of the chases on The Chase is going to come up. But as yes, I've yet to see an advertisement. So I just have to concentrate on reading the serious bits instead, <laughs> like this. So, so I was having, having a look through, and this very much chimes. Uh, so this this article here I'll talk about the article and then I'll talk mm. about the sort of anecdotal experiences of, of uh, me and my friends I'm particularly having a, a conversation with uh, two of my friends in a pub recently who work in different uh, different sectors that, right. that chimed with my experience so so this article in the stage talks about ushers have revealed their experiences of dealing with increasingly aggressive audience members um, with incidents ranging from verbal abuse and threatening behaviour to actual physical violence and oh. uh, this is you know shocking it's like unbelievable it really and the, the stage speaks to a number of people that sort of been ushers in the past and present and I think that the present will turn out to be particularly sort of relevant I think um, they talk about um, theatre goers being entitled um, so mm. basically sort of feeling that if you pay money you should therefore be able to do as you please and do what you want ushers reporting being spat and shouted at Good being physically great. assaulted trying to break, break up fights between audience members themselves oh. um, also a, a sort of go, a, uh, uh, dovetailing with this that's the word I'm looking for dovetailing with this um, is how low the pay is generally mm. so so like you say often ushers are extremely present when you go to theatres and you, you one almost sort of wonders it's it's a stark contrast with people that have paid a lot of money therefore think it entitles them to act as they as they please yet people who, who are paid not very much money at all still behave with a decorum that far kind of outstrips mm. that really mm. um, people being late seems to be a, a common cause of complaint pensions being late not being able to take their seats and then demanding their money back the the idea that they um that they that they feel that people can feel that they behave as they like if they pay that's it this customer is always right kind of thing um the the what was most interesting is is we, there was um, a report from a 
from somebody who was ushering, ushering at Hamilton. Oh, yes. So Hamilton is, is for, for listeners that aren't familiar with it, a very successful stage musical that came over from Broadway to here in the UK, written written by um, Lin Manuel. I never get his name in the right order, so I'm sorry, but I believe it's Lin Manuel Miranda. Correct. I think. Yes. Um, hooray! There, was, there <laughs> were th- there were infinite combinations of that, but I got the right one, so that's good. And it's about Alexander Hamilton and basically the, the, the events surrounding the Declaration of Independence. In America. And uh, needless to say, it is it, although it's a, a musical which has largely a black and ethnic minority cast, um, it's very big amongst the woke community. Mm. Um, and that that has ended up in uh, in, in sort of dire straits. This chap here says, um, a chap or woman, it's sorry, it doesn't say what, what gender they are. Um, it's, um, Hamilton's Victoria Palace is run very differently from other theatres I've worked in. It's because the show is the hottest ticket in town. It was a breakthrough in introducing black, Asian and minority ethnic artists in its casting, but the majority audiences I dealt with were rich white people. It's designed for the polar opposite of that, but I would never see them. They're paying £250 a ticket and Mm. that brings them a sense of entitlement that they can have whatever they want. But that's not just about the, the customers. If you found yourself in an altercation with a customer without fail, the manager would always support the customer which was difficult to deal with they ran the theatre like a palace if you were slouching you would be poked in the back to stand up straight God. and if you were not standing still you would be told to stand still and you weren't allowed time off for auditions because this is, this is the interesting thing quite often ushers are people that are trying to make mm. a career on the stage themselves um, most people are not there, there to invest in a career front of house after six months I'd have enough the spokesman for the theatre simply said Delphont Macintosh theatre would never condone that kind of behaviour well clearly it does doesn't it really it's it's very um lots of violence at the lion king apparently which i can't which i have to say it's sort of fitting with the show really so maybe people are just sort of joining in but this point this kind of entitlement and people can Mm. think they can do whatever they want it's not necessarily um based around having paid so much i was having a conversation with two friends of mine Mm. the other day one of whom works in an arts organization that has galleries that show shows amongst other things and you often don't have to pay to enter the, the, the gallery shows. And there have been, to use your delightful phrase, an incident recently where <laughs> a group of people with, with some needs have been looking around um, and there had been, been a problem whereby the someone involved with the group of people, one of the volunteers, thought that one of the ushers, one of the stewards in the, uh, the, the one of the invigilators hmm. had shouted at somebody when in fact they hadn't, but they were trying to get... Uh, this particular person to stop touching one of the pieces of artwork and to some extent if you are trying to deal with that across a gallery you are going to have to raise your voice and impose yourself Mm. slightly you know in order to get that to work but one thing they noticed was when it had to be written up in the incident you know the inevitable incident Mm. like the accident book they they had to write it up and when they were speaking to the sort of the the front of house staff and the and some of the staff at the organization they'd read back through the incident book and they'd spotted a pattern Mm. Of, of um, within you know within a certain period of time, people had seemed to have become more entitled. There were more and more incidents mm. of this nature where people felt that they could. They hadn't even paid any money, and yet they still felt <laughs> they could touch things and behave in a way that was not mm. appropriate for the gallery space. And interestingly, they felt that this had become more pronounced during the last three years. So since 2016, and it, it, they felt that it sort of reflected an, 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 a sort of a, a kind of a say anything 
sort of thing. Yeah. Politically, in the States and over here, through a time where politically people seem to be able to say what they want, no matter how offensive or inconsiderate of other people or minorities, without any real sort of consequences that you would have, accept, you would have expected previously. And I wonder if this problem has become more pronounced over time because of the general kind of atmosphere in which we live at the moment. Equally, our other friend that was with us who teaches said that they had noticed increasingly a more entitled attitude amongst parents. The advent of email has, has been problematic for many of us, but particularly mm. my friends who are teachers, because then, of course, they are to parents te- treat that as kind of round-the-clock access. And, you know, they, they, they are told by parents, you've got to make sure my child gets an A. It's not up to the child or the parents anymore, mm. apparently. It's up to somebody else. So I, I am saddened by this article, but I can't say I'm particularly surprised. It, it seems to fit anecdotally with, with, with sort of... Um, my friend's experience and indeed my experience there's a couple of elements i take away from this one is that many of us continue to misunderstand the role of ushers and expect them to act Mm. as some sort of private police force um as far as i know they're there to be helpful their role is to point you towards your seat or the bathrooms or the bar not to physically intervene in bus stops and it's it also you, you you mentioned this it's very it's disconcerting that you know you mentioned that these ushers are often on rates of pay below the London living wage, which is a yes. scandal in itself. The other point I take is it's a combination of, uh, again, you mentioned it, the, yes, exactly, the expectations of people when they paid a couple of hundred quid for a theatre ticket. Some people seem to believe, as you say, that entails them to behave in the worst possible way. But linked to this, I think the theatre, I think what's well, a real indictment of the way we live today is that the theatre and the security people uh, people's belief that the screens of the body camera which are pointed towards the uh, away from the usher so that mm. showing the aggressive pet patron a view of himself or herself behaving appallingly that that might make people stop in their tracks and calm down it's a very interesting peep into the it psychology is, it, of aggressive behavior well it, it is interesting because of course there is there is always the risk nowadays that one might go viral Yes, yes. And, and, and maybe, that is, maybe that is, is a bigger risk. I don't know. It's interesting what you say about ushers not expecting to be, um, not expected to be security people. Mm. I, I myself have a little experience of being an right. usher. Um, I think we've spoken previously on the podcast that I'm the trustee of a, an arts mm. venue down in, down in, uh, down where I live on the South Coast. And my, it was joked about now, April last year, I, when I signed up to be a trustee, I thought I was, I was advised that I should be doing some, I should go on the rotor of stewards there. They're volunteer stewards they're not paid anything we have security that we that we kind of contract mm. um they're sort of freelance and we contract them in for various things there are various security firms that operate around the local area we uh, we had we we have them to be security so it's not our jobs as, as stewards and ushers to be to be uh, to be security as you said our job is literally to click people in and out so that they're not we know each other we're not over capacity for fire mm. regulations and also to tell people where the bars are tell people where the toilets are chat to some people that like to come in because lots of people haven't seen the venue before so they like to know about it and generally just to just to be helpful we do have to be fire marshals if there is an incident but apart from that we are we are you know it's not our job to be security which i was relieved at because i was encouraged to be a steward and we have a whole range of different events the first event that i was ever a steward for um the <laughs> scar band bad manners <laughs> came down to play and uh, some of the audience patrons i regret to inform 
platform you lived up to the band's name unfortunately oh, we uh, I'd, I'd since then i've done lots of studying of opera and all sorts of things and and folk bands and that's all been really rather uh sedate and and you know you sit on a chair and there's maybe a hundred people and and you know i think one person fainted once at an opera which was you know <laughs> felt like a very dramatic incident at the time um we then of course do a bad man as um, incidents included but were not limited to afterwards there was no toilet paper in the toilets because everyone had taken the toilet paper out and thrown it on the floor oh, on, no. on when they were dancing um, I remember people sweeping that up rather long sufferingly afterwards um, there were I think two or three different fights and at one point two people had to be carried out by three security people and you know in the Beano when people have a fight and there's a big cloud <laughs> with fists and feet sticking out of it yes. well, a cloud was basically carried through the doors past us and blocked off there was also a half naked woman that jumped on stage and, hu- and hugged Buster blood vessel at the end which was quite quite um so I, I felt security were overzealous with that frankly but anyway there was a, there was a lot going on and actually it goes to show that that you know it we are an organization of limited means and there are lots of people that want to be involved because they love the building of helping and actually volunteer stewarding is the best way to do that but equally I did find myself being thankful for security I thought you know I, I'm I'm not being paid for this mm. and I'm you know I've had a, a small amount of training for this I've had you know fire safety training and things like that but I'm not I'm not here to to break people up I'm not here I'm here to check tickets but I'm not here to you know to, to get involved in any kind of huge conflab about this really but yes the, we very much enjoyed bad manners but I was very glad that I was just mm. opening the door for people and explaining to them when the building was built rather than uh, having to get involved in be no clouds of fighting so the moral of this is think carefully before you apply to become an usher i think right yeah coming next uh oh look out it's our 2019 2020 football preview oh i mean after last year i'm i'm on a bit of a high really so uh, so it doesn't matter i i I feel like i've won already whatever happens this year it doesn't count because we'll always have last year that's next right after easy rollers
Christmas is one of those tunes that has been rattling around my brain for years without me having any idea what it was. It always seems to get used as background music on what I think we call lifestyle shows on the major channels. So <laughs> if someone is buying a house or someone is trying to cook something quickly or that sort of thing, this always seems to get used in the background. It's kind of fun background music. Um, my partner and I heard it when we were driving around on holiday. It was on uh, Steve Lamack, I think, on Six played it. And eventually um, they then uh, announced that it was Easy Rollers, uh, mm. spelled E hyphen Z, regretfully, and uh, and Walk This Land, used in the Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels uh, film soundtrack. Well, it was new to me, but I really liked it. And they're from your second county of Suffolk. They are, yes, they're all from my uh, from what is my spiritual second home, rather than unfortunately my actual second home. Now, before we embark on our annual dose of uh, foolhardiness in predicting outcomes for the new <laughs> season of football, uh, when we did the review of last last season, I forgot to mention the extraordinary powers of Hilly from our production team. Mm-hmm. Before the start of last season, she emailed me her predictions, putting the whole twenty clubs uh, of the Premier League in order, and she ended up getting the top four correct in the right order, the bottom three correct in the right order, and only a couple of hiccups in the middle section. In fact, she got sixteen out of the twenty clubs were in the correct places, which that is, is inc- amazing. That is incredible, and she mm. really, we really do need her to write in. Oh, yes. as well, I think with this, her psychic <laughs> Hilly needs to write yeah. in with her uh, her predictions this year. That is that is. Really it impressive. was extraordinary, yeah. So we'll see if, if she does as well this year. Now, so as usual, we'll get uh, nowhere near that level of competence. But what we no, need from you, not, yes. what we need from you first, Jules, is your prediction for which team will win the championship and get promoted to the Premier League, and which poor manager is the Premier in the Premier League will be the first to leave their club. Well, first of all, the championship, I think, as ever, I always enjoy the championship as a league. It's always extremely competitive. Um, and also, increasingly, it is a yo-yo league as well. So it's yes. interesting to see which teams, which of the last year's demoted teams um, will bounce back up again. Um, I am going to um, I am going to go for a bit of bounce-back ability mm. here. Um, we're going to go for a team which is managed by a manager who has bounce-back ability, who's often written off by people. He is 70 years old and told targeting a record ninth promotion. The manager is Neil Warnock, no. and the, uh, the the club is Cardiff City. I think they have okay. lots of quality in that squad. There have been four um, four additional sort of kind of smart, low-budget um, acquisitions, uh-huh. one of whom will take on um, Aaron Gunnison's long throw duties. I think having a long throw specialist is always, always good. Um, and Warnock himself says this is probably the best championship team I've ever managed. Mm-hmm. They've also kept hold of the same goalkeeper, and they've got a, um, a defence led by Sean Morrison as they were when they were promoted last time so I think my tip is Cardiff Oh okay, um, and bear in mind I'm writing these down, there's uh-oh, no escaping, uh-oh, there's, no, there's yeah. no saying oh no I didn't say that um, <laughs> and which poor manager is going to get the sack? Well, I mean, I, I don't think I will ever beat my Jose oh, Mourinho last season. Choice. It's tempted to say I'm tempted to say Ole, just as a kind of <laughs> yeah. a sort of a. I I think it could be many teams, but I am going to go for um, poor old Dean Smith at Aston Villa. I think it, oh, I think it could okay. go wrong at Aston Villa, and I think I don't think they're the kind of team that are that patient with managers. So that's my prediction. Oh, okay. Well. Um, 
My, probably my least favourite club in the championship is the one that I'm picking for promotion. Mm. That's Leeds United. It seems is that, is that historic. It though? is. <laughs> they, they they've been sort of um, Chelsea's least favourite team, I think, for sort of decades. It seems inevitable and, that they'll make it. And of course, dirty, it. dirty, dirty Leeds. Exactly. Go with, the, uh, with the damned United. Oh, uh, and they're the always so noisy when they're in the Premiership, mm-hmm. and they have a sense of entitlement and think that you know they're, 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 it's their <laughs> destiny to be there. You know, uh, you, you wouldn't want to be an usher for them would you I certainly wouldn't (laughs) no now the first premier manager to leave I'm going for Daniel Fark of Norwich Uh, I think that's a a similar logic to mine isn't it 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 very much is they seem certain candidates for relegation and clubs get very twitchy when they see the cash cow of the premiership disappearing over the horizon as with your um, Aston Villa pick I I was just going to have a saving bet I know we're not really allowed to do this Mm. but rather like your Mourinho last year I'm just going to have a saving bet on Maurizio Pochettino at Spurs. He always seems sort of rather underwhelmed and liable to leave at short notice. So uh, that's just like my my sort of uh, each-way bet. Uh, Yes, that's that's an interesting one. I'll make my my each-way bet Ole in case it all goes wrong again at Manchester United. (laughs) Uh, And that wouldn't be a surprise at all, really. Um, Now let's um, talk about surprises. Let's get your surprise team in the Premiership. Which side will exceed expectations? Well, I have a small feeling about this. Um, And I say I have a small feeling. Mm. I have to be a bit honest here and say that I am crediting the... um the Telegraph have got various football experts to put their heads together and predict the whole to do a hills basically and predict mm. the whole league um, and what they think is going to happen at the end of, of, of this this bit this this uh, uh, article if we're going to call this in a magazine mm. style show I can tell you the full order of them but I am going to so I'm going to go with their surprise package that they've got which is who would be in eighth place I think this does seem a bit odd mm. but I, I'm going to go with it because I feel like it's a sort of odd thing that might happen I'm going to go with Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's hoping that they'll um, push on from last year. They did very well last year. Yeah. Okay. Um, And your bottom three. Now we're getting to the the real meat of the matter. Now, which three teams will be relegated? Well, again, I'm going to half inch the bottom three from from this Telegraph Mm -hmm. prediction, but I don't think it feels unreasonable to me. And it's a round war I would have done anyway. Uh, Sheffield United bottom. It's got, um, I think they'll struggle. I don't think they've strengthened their squad enough. I I can't see them surviving. Um, Like you, I predict doom for Norwich, I'm afraid to say. So I, I predict them as being uh, the second from bottom and the third relegation uh, berth I think that having got rid of their manager they've now they've now run out of luck I think so I think Newcastle will go down oh okay right interesting um all, all yeah good good uh, possible suggestions my surprise team are Leicester I'm predicting mm. they'll finish seventh uh, just do outside they, the top do, they, do they count as a surprise team anymore though because they've well, surprised before they well they did didn't they three or four years ago but since then they flirted with relegation and they've mid been mid-table side mm. ever since they've got a very strong first team um admittedly not strength in depth if they if they yes, get injuries or suspensions yeah. yeah but still you look at the the you know the the basic line. We've got Schmeichel, Chilwell, Damari Gray, Vardy, Madison, all Brighton, Perez. You know, there's some really great players. Um, the three to be relegated. I very nearly went straight for the three teams that were promoted. Mm. Mm. But I think um, that Aston Villa may just have the resolve to cling on, although. They've gone a bit mad and bought about a dozen new players in the summer, which is often a strategy that that well, it rarely works. 
Well, it's it's like throwing all the playing cards up in the air, it, isn't it? Yeah, seeing, Fulham seeing did it last happens. year, and yeah. it was a disaster. So my bottom three are twentieth Norwich, who've just come mm, up. Nineteenth mm. Sheffield United, who've just come up rather like you, but in eighteenth place. S- similar reasons for you picking Newcastle, really. I picked Brighton, who look mm, like a yes. club in real decline. Sacked their manager at the end of last season in rather but, horrid way. Yes, for for no good reason at mm. all, really. He did. He no one else could have done better than him. And like you, I I, I left a very sour taste. Yeah. Me, this so-called well-run family club, yes. can have their manager on the pitch with his granddaughter on his shoulders one day yes. and, and, and sack him the next. I think that's that's really off. And actually, I've gone off them. Despite being mm. my local team, I've gone off them slightly as a result. Yeah, very much me too. I really, I really like them. I like Chris Hutton and I, I like the way that um, Bloom ran the club. But that really uh, yes, was, was a turning have gone, off moment. Gone yeah. a bit. In, interesting. This Telegraph um, sort of predictor table has. Sheffield United 20th, Norwich is 19th, Newcastle 18th. There has Burnley in 17th, Brighton in 16th, and Aston Villa in 15th. Mm. So, so interesting. And actually, surprise package-wise, um, Everton are 7th, Wolves are 8th, and Leicester are 9th, and mm. Crystal Palace are 10th. So, so mm. who knows? Well, the thing is that once you get below the, the so-called top six... Um, Almost anything could happen. Yes. That's yes, that's so the true. weird so thing true, about this. Yeah. Almost any of the teams below that could be flirting with relegation or could be battling to get the sort of Europa League spots. Jules, which teams will finish in the top four and in what what order, please? Well, I've turned my back on the Telegraph predictor for this. Um, it, it's not like you say the top the top six. They they don't really change mm. that much, really. So so in fourth place, I am going to go for Arsenal. Because okay. I think that the uh, Unai Emery has uh, got his feet under the table a bit there, and and I I think they're starting to build a team again there. So I feel that Arsenal could finish fourth. Um, I don't think your Pochettino shout is a bad one. Mm. Having said that, I think that Tottenham still do have a great deal of quality. Um, so I'm going to predict that they will finish third again. Okay. Um, and then. It's the same old story, really. But I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do what I did last season, and maybe you know, my, as my dad would put it, with one of his lovely phrases, my view of reality is clouded by hope. Here, here, I suspect. But um, I'm gonna put Manchester City in second oh. and Liverpool top because I just feel like Liverpool could still do something. No room for my Chelsea there, I see. Well, uh, no, I'm... absolutely not. I'm afraid. Uh, I've got very little change from last season. Not very exciting at all. But who knows? Um, like. You, well, I've got Arsenal um, in fourth place, but I've got them just pipping Spurs. I'm going to say Spurs, they seem to be a bit suspended in a vacuum at the moment. Mm. And Arsenal at least have bought a player or two. Um, I don't know whether it's blind loyalty, but I've got Chelsea to be third. And I'm going the reverse of your top two. I've got exactly as last year, yeah. Liverpool second, Man City first, as all the other clubs seem so far behind them in terms of uh, potential, I think... Either or, we'd come first or second. I've, I've just got it the other way around of you. But, of course, next May, we can look back and weep at our stupidity. We can look back, we'll look back at all, all this and laugh. And interestingly, this Telegraph table, it's gone so far as to predict the points that each team oh, will right. get as well. And the Telegraph has um, Arsenal and Manchester United tied in fifth on points with 66 points, but Arsenal have a better, um, a slightly better goal difference on their uh-huh. prediction. They've got your Chelsea in fourth with right. 67 points, so just pipping Arsenal to fourth, which I think would please you very much, I suspect. <laughs> um, Tottenham in third on 75 points, and then they have Liverpool on 88 points and Manchester City on 94 points. Yeah, which again shows you the huge yep. gulf that's expected. Absolutely. Coming next, is it doomsday for the guitar again? Pop goes another friend because you are 
too stoned to listen when they say fly right, turn left, that's right. Now you will be okay. Lights out on another friend when your eyes are too closed to mention. Tell me what's left: your house, your car, your pet that still runs away from you. Described as quirky, sometimes bliss pop. Uh, this is probably their sharpest, most sophisticated album from the 2002 album Happiness. That was the Aluminum Group and Pop. I like that. That's uh, that's sharp. Now, about um, once every decade, uh, the death of the guitar, particularly the electric guitar, is announced. I remember particularly in the 80s, the era of Depeche Mode, Pet Shop Boys, Yazoo, the often embarrassed-looking young fellow dinking at keyboards, and they were, all, they, were, they were supposed to replace Bon Jovi and Guns N' Roses and Van Halen. More recently, a year or two ago, the Washington Post ran a piece about the decline in sales of electric guitars. Indeed, they referred to, and I quote, the slow, secret death of the electric guitar. Where are you on this, Jules? Um, can you imagine a world without your Fender, your Gibson and your, your Rickenbacker? 
I can't really. I mean, to me, it, uh, it music always moves in cycles. Like fashion, like everything, always moves in cycles. And um, the guitar may go out of fashion for a while, but I don't think it will necessarily ever disappear because I think that I think that it has. Um, I think that it, it it's real in a way that electronic music isn't really, and I think I think that to, to some extent we all. I mean, I really like some electronic music, but having said that, there's something about it that is always going to be a little cold, no matter how sort of quote unquote warm it is. People like mm. Plaid and Fortet, for example. There's always something about it that isn't us. It's all it's being made through a machine. It's it's something that's driven by us, but not entirely created by us. And so I think, although the guitar is a machine, like you say, there are a, there's almost feels like there's an infinite variable to how people can play and produce music on a, on a guitar that doesn't always feel the way with synth it's still the same way with synthesizers and, and electronic music um there's an interesting piece in the independent by um rashine o'connor saying that actually she talks about this year's mercury music prize uh, shortlist mm. and says that actually um a number of the shortlisted albums are all notable for being actually quite experimental in their in their use of guitars. There's um, uh, Black Midi, Fontaine DC, Foles, um, Little Sims is uh, is is who's a sort of a rapper that, that creates quite interesting music on the cusp of lots of different genres. She she's in there as well, and Idols, whom I don't find particularly interesting, but they do seem to be very popular. So it's mm. it's it's very interesting. We always, I mean, for example, we would have you would have thought that Rave would have been the end of guitar in the in the late 80s early 90s and then Britpop was heavily guitar based over here in Britain and grunge of course in the US as well and then we had the age of the superstar DJ in the late 90s and you'd think there'd be a you know there'd be that would be it for guitar music yet when I was at university in the the early noughties there were lots of um, interesting there was quite a lot of interesting kind of arty type bands remember Andy Partridge rather bitterly referring to them as Kaiser what's it Kaiser Ferdinand's dog's Dying, uh, what was it? Dogs dying for Kaiser Ferdinand's hot hot car party is how he <laughs> describes music in the in the early noughties. Probably bitterly because most of it ripped him off, mm. but um, and was probably commercially more successful than he was, disappointingly. But uh, you had that, and then you had the perhaps much maligned. Remember the the enemy trying to push new rave as a thing in the in the late noughties, and then of course we had the rise of what's rather unkindly known as landfill indie mm-hmm. with uh, Razorlight, the Kooks, the View, Wombats, Libertines, Fratellis. Um, and then, of course, you have you always have bands like the Strokes and Kings of Leon, who were always extremely, uh, extremely, uh, extremely sort of big. The, I think the the issue, as she points out, with guitar music that kind of makes it sort of uninteresting at times is that not so much what it does, but the people that use them, which largely tend to be bands full of white men doing not mm. particularly interesting things. So, yes, I think the guitar will. The guitar always seems to find a way of making a comeback because I think we need that human connection, but the only way in which guitar music is ever going to be able to hold its own with other more interesting forms of music now is whether or not the people that use them are interesting and not homogenous and whether they do interesting things yes somehow every generation finds their own uh, excitement at a woman or a bloke giving it all on a, on a loud guitar and there was just something primeval about that the sound that uh, pete townsend got from his whirling approach to his uh, Gibson and um, I think whilst most punk era music hasn't aged that well the way Joe Strummer used to attack his guitar as a sort of statement of rage was was like nothing else and mm. I also think that despite all of these uh, predictions of its uh, demise whenever 
young people want to make a musical noise keyboards um, as you alluded to they just don't do the job you need a guitar strapped over your shoulder and to thrash away like you're being propelled by the devil himself and computer programs can't reproduce that fire and desire well not yet at least no well said now jules you're continuing to wow the nation with your pop music skills on Ryden Clark uh, Neil show on Radio Two each week. Well, indeed, yes, I will. I will have to correct the right honourable gent very briefly mm. there and say it's not pop music skills, but TV and film, pop oh, culture. Yes. We pop can, culture. We can, I meant to say indeed. Yeah. Although I found myself scoring well on Popmaster whilst on holiday, playing <laughs> along in the car. So who knows? Maybe I'll have to uh, stretch out my tentacles and try and dominate another sector of, of Radio Two. But, but you're yes, continuing very... to, to to beat away all comers on your popular culture skills well well indeed I, I seem to be clinging on as we say so uh, so yes there's no show this week the 3rd of August as Radio 2 is having some festival but I will be back appearing again on uh, Saturday the 10th of August on Ryland's excellent show which is always a great deal of fun I think and uh, the music is always very upbeat and enjoyable and Ryland himself is a kind person and I, I mm, think he's very he pleasant he's very pleasant to talk to mm. and people are always keen to ring up and go on his show and he's always rather he's always very gracious about that I think so yes it's a pleasure to be a part of and are you doing anything else of interest uh, during the week uh, I'm just having a squint at my calendar to see if there is anything interesting going on it's my rock and roll book club on Thursday night we're talking about Viv Albertine's book so oh, very yes. much looking forward to that um, and I think I've got going to a wedding next weekend but no I don't have anything interesting to all oh, uh, depending on when we do next week's mm. podcast I am very much looking forward to going to see um, sort of 90s alternative band Pram are still going oh, right. and are playing down at the Marina Fountain venue in St mm. Leonard's uh, where I live on Sunday the 11th of August I think there are still tickets available so so do come along um, if you're around that area Pramar they were on 2Pure in the early 90s I've got them on a compilation with Stereo Lab and PJ Harvey amongst other people and they're still making beautiful music so, so I'm very very much looking forward to going to see them well thanks very much for listening to everybody we really do appreciate it Yes, always, at all times. And thanks also to Hilly and Rona, who help yes, us uh, as the well. the superstar production team, indeed. And, and also the, the psychic production uh, team, by the sound of it. Absolutely yes. extraordinary, those predictions. Now, to play us out, uh, Jules, a track from a new album that's due out in October... Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we are big supporters of Anna Meredith around these around mm. these podcast parts. Uh, delighted to to know that she's got a new album out in October and she's taking it out on the road next year. Hope to go and see her in Brighton in February. Um, really like this. It's been doing quite well on Six Music. It it it, it won the sort of uh, jukebox jury style round table format. I think this week. Um, I love Anna Meredith's music because it is very playful, but it also has real heft to it. I love the fact that she's managed to build in real bulk to her music over time, and I, I like how this is. Is a bit of a monster really that goes to lots of, I'm always a sucker of songs that have lots of different sections to them so uh, so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this I think it's uh, I think it's got real meat to it as well as being very beautiful this is uh, Anna Meredith from her forthcoming album Fibs and this is Paramore
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>